This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. I'm feeling festive. I mean, in the middle of town, and I've, I've never seen so many sparkling jumpers, green jumpers, red jumpers, hats, elves. There's all sorts of trees and everything like that. I actually feel fully in festive Christmas mode. Infested? I'm not infested, I'm in festive oh, Christmas mode. As I'm sitting here in London, the Mad Hatter Hotel. Never been to this joint, actually. Um, joint, yeah. But... Um, Mad Hatter Hotel, just just around the corner from Waterloo Station, is it? Was that Blackfriars Bridge? Or? Yeah, it's across between Blackfriars and um, and uh, Waterloo. Yeah, it's on, on, on Southwark Street. It's, uh, it's a it's a it's a very very busy boozer tonight. As you say, it's uh, it's festive and there's some uh, there's some frocks frocks on show, Bill. That's right. <laughs> there's frocks and all sorts. So anyway, but sorted Pride of West London podcast and look as we're coming to Christmas with Christmas cheer. We have to cheer ourselves up after Saturday horrendous result up at Norwich we've tried to put that to the back of our mind we'll be talking about that in a bit but before that we're just going to try and cheer us up a little bit because sitting here in the pub got a couple of pints on the go here got my mates I'm sitting here with me I'm Billy Grant and I'm sitting here as you heard him just chatting to me now I've got Dave Lane how are you Dave? I'm all right. I've still got my still got a frog in my throat. I'm still still wheezing. It did make me fun. It did make me laugh. Sat in the sat, sat in the outside the pub on uh, on Saturday, and you got I've got three people, three Brentford fans I've never ever met in my life before, come up to me and asked how I was. And uh, so they listened to the podcast last week, and they heard my diagnosis, and uh, they um, they diagnosed beer. And, uh, <laughs> so I had, I had a few, and it, it did make me feel better. But I've always I found that Jack Daniels does the trick. So um, it, it does indeed. So there's plenty of that going down on the train on the way home, which we might talk about a little bit later. We've also got the Allard. The Allard is with us. He was with us last Wednesday, but he decided to uh, pull a parachute, probably quite wisely. He went and go and saw Mystic Meg on Friday. Mystic Meg said, "Don't go." So he decided not to go to Norwich. So he left us to it, didn't you, Matt? Yeah, I, do- I, I, I dodged a bullet there, uh, Mister. Mr. Carthy sitting next to me um, very kindly took up my train ticket and, um, and, um, and match ticket and he's probably regretting it. Um, although, well, no, actually shaking his head because I, I hear it was a good day out and actually I did, I did miss some decent beer and, so, and, a, and a few good laughs. So. And, and the caravan of love as well. Yes, the Everybody. caravan of love. <laughs> yeah, so I hear a, a ca- the caravan of love on the train carriage. Is that right? Or? That is right. And we'll probably talk about that in a little bit. Mr. Carthy, who is very happy... Probably because, you know, he's coming to the end of an era in his life. So, at the end of the day, we could have lost 40... <laughs> yes. We could have lost 45 nil to Norwich and it still would have been the best day out for him ever, wouldn't it? Nick, how are you doing, the Liberal? I'm good, I'm good. I'm feeling fiery and feisty tonight. So, uh, expect a few bleep buttons to have to be inserted into this podcast during the course of the oh, evening. Because, no, you know, I am, I am going to have... I'm going to go on a few rants this evening, Bill. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I know you're looking forward to it, and this is a bit of a sad moment for us, as we said, because, you know, 
we're coming to the end of an era because this is your last of official regular podcast that you're going to be doing with us because you've decided to become an Exeter fan. Yeah, or Exeter or Yeovil. Depends depends which one's doing well. Or the best one might be Axminster Town, who are doing really well in the Southwest Combination League Division 5. They might be good to go to. So you're saying that you only support a team if they're doing well? Precisely, yeah. Well, some of our listeners may think it's an end of an era, and others will think it's the end of an earache. <laughs> indeed, indeed. There we, there we go. And we have back on, I think his first, probably his first podcast of the season as well. We've got the Luke and the Lord Luke and Lou Boyd, mate. How are you? What can I say? I'm here for the glory. Uh, as, um, I'm all right, I'm all right. We're deep in Millwall territory. I'm wondering how many people at the bar think, God, are ocean colour scenery forming? Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's good. We're all in a festive spirit. You know, ho, 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 etc. And you had, a, I mean, you had a good, you had a good Saturday as well. I mean, let's put aside the 5 0 loss. You were on the caravan of love on the way back from Norwich on Saturday, weren't you? I was. Well, it's, it's, it's hard to be in rural Norfolk and not be in a caravan. Uh, but, uh, yeah. But, yeah, I, I was there for the 5-0. I was there for the 5-0 before that and the 7-0. You know, uh, Misery Loves Company. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was a great, a great day out. You know, I, I like the way Norwich was described as a crouton of decency and a bastard stew after the Brexit vote. So I got a lot of time for that place. Hopefully, more in hope than expectation, will we be going back there next season? Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. And hopefully we're going to try and get onto one of the things that you've written about, which is going to be up on the Besotted website tomorrow, which is about a Red Bull action, because uh, you, have, you, you have a few thoughts on Red Bull. Not that Red Bull has got wings, but Red Bull may have bee wings. Well, does the story have wings? Ooh. <laughs> um, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I, I sort of flirted with Red Bull New York over the summer. Uh, when I was working over there, and then yeah, lo, lo and behold, um, you know, about three, two, three weeks ago, the story pops up: the Red Bull going to going to looking to purchase an English team. Aha! And let's just say, hopefully, I mean, we're going to get into all sorts of conversations today. But at the moment, now we'll try and concentrate on the game at the weekend, which just almost made us cry for a minute when we went to Norwich. We went to Norwich in good hope that we can go to that club and bash them up because. They were on their knees. They were rubbish. They were doing nothing. All their fans were crying. They said they were absolutely terrible. So Brentford were going to go down there, of course, play the professional game and smash them off the park. And what did they do? Nothing. We lost 5-0. We were absolutely rubbish. Let's go back to the pub to listen to the fans to hear what they had to say after the game up at Norwich. Awful. Absolutely disgraceful. I mean, look, tell me, were there any positives from today's game? None. None. Out, no heart at all. Midfield is an absolute waste of space. They were going through the motions of closing people down. It weren't happening. I, I'm, I'm pretty disgusted. I'm just my last words. Norwich didn't break sweat, did they? To be honest, you know. Imagine if they'd have really wanted to win. They, they, they didn't have much conviction. They, they were all right. They, they, they didn't have to do much. They, they won five 0 with, with ease. Their, their fans are pretty quiet. Their manager would really, really fear in this game today, and he, he can't believe his luck. It's going to come to the point where this is a privilege. This time next year, we could be in front of six, 7,000 if we're lucky against Cruz. We're three points from safety. But back in when Dean Smith had a bad run as well, we weren't looking great, but we came out of that as well, no, didn't we? I'll give you that, which is why I give him one more game. We lose 5-0 here. Do you think it's good enough? The minimum you require is a bit of effort. And as that fifth goal went in, Harley Dean loses it. 
fine, doesn't run back, jogs back, comes over here, we're pissed off, obviously. He gives it all the mouth, and I think there's no progressive play at the moment. It's very sidewards, it's backwards, it's sidewards. We've not got any dynamism. We don't change it. If it's going wrong, we don't bring anything on. We waited for the third goal to go in before we made a sub. Why they're not changing things at half-time is beyond me. They've got no confidence, so we should be going at them. But we stepped off them, we played off them. There was no pressure, there was no movement. I mean, Hogan... He furates me because he, he doesn't look like he wants to play some of the time, but he is our best player. But he makes a run and we stand and we turn it around, we turn backwards, we go back to the goalie, we take it. And then there's no, there's no emphasis on playing forward and, it just, and there's no pressure on it. They don't know pressure. We let them go 2 0 up without even trying. It's either do we, do we replace Dean Smith? We've been through this before and we've got better, we've improved. But at the moment, he didn't look like he had an idea in terms of changing that game, the way it was going at 2 0 down. We waited, we should have made a, sub, a couple of subs at half-time, in my opinion, tried something else. We waited, it went 3-0, game's over, then he makes the changes. Pointless. Everyone today was, was just, just didn't look up for it. They looked like they, maybe they had their Christmas party last night as well. Because uh, uh, I was on mine last night, so I feel a bit ropey. You know, maybe, maybe everyone was there, was there as well. Maybe they were with you. Maybe they were with me, yeah, maybe I didn't notice them. But yeah, uh, it, it just, it, it just wasn't, wasn't great at all. And I, I don't quite know where we go from here, really. No, I think it was one of them uh, days uh, where all of the chances we, we converted. And, uh, yeah, we, we outplayed Brentford today. But we've come off the back of uh, five straight league defeats and six including the, uh, the League Cup. And uh, we've been woeful. And it was really... Uh, it was Neil's last chance saloon to get a result to keep his job really today and uh, you know he's made a few changes we started with uh, Oliveira and uh, Housen coming back into the team has made uh, made a big difference how come today why today why why not next week or next month why today <laughs> no one knows to be perfectly honest no one knows um, our, our defense has been awful all season to be honest in the first half I thought you guys we still didn't look particularly good defensively, but that third goal completely killed it off. And it just clicked today. Pritchard was excellent. But as the guys were saying earlier on, Housen coming back in midfield is what's made us tick. Plus, also, I think you boys were just pretty terrible. There's a lot of, lot of unhappy Brentford fans walking out of that stadium or trooping out of that stadium today. They come a long way up to Norwich and they were rewarded with absolute jack to be honest um, we were set up wrong um, we sat back off of Norwich but we in the middle when you say we sat up wrong in which way were we sat up wrong we, we, we didn't we had no we had no bite in the middle of the park we, 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 we didn't we didn't break them up in the middle and counter attack um, and we didn't hurt them at all with any whip um, Hogan was feeding off scraps um, he'd probably be going home now and packing, packing his suitcase. There's, we're, not, we're not helping our own cause to keep him. Why would he want to stay? It would appear the players didn't play, whether they're not playing for the manager, but they didn't play for the shirt. Um, there was some, some discontent at the end where you know, one or two of the players come over and I think, I think Harley challenged um, um, a couple of the booing Brentford fans or, the, or there were words were exchanged. Um, it doesn't bode well, you know. I can't think of anything positive to say. There, there is nothing positive to say. They were far, far better than us today. Um, and, you know, they didn't look like a team that was in disarray. Didn't look like a team that has lost five games and only drawn one. 
um, in their last six performances. They were, uh, we were awful. Sorry, I mean, you've got to say it, you've got to call it. When you see it, you've got to call it and be honest. We were awful today. And to be honest, I wonder whether this was a game that maybe Dean Smith will regret his formation. He'll regret the team that he put out. I think questions have now got to be asked and I, the big one is, is Dean Smith on his way out? Oh, blimey. Um, I say some of the fans there, uh, they were uh, not too happy, as to be said. People kind of, uh, I mean, I thought that was a seminal moment in Brentford this season or over the last couple of seasons because I noticed that a lot of people had, I wouldn't say changed, but they really vocalised what they thought. I know it's not great for you to lose 5-0 at any stage or 4-0 or 6-0 or 3-1, but there was a game where it seems that, I wouldn't say people's patience had run out, but there was almost like a light bulb had come. And I think that a combination of the players' performance and also just things that have gone on maybe in the past few months really kind of made a lot of the loyals that travelled to Norwich on Saturday just kind of blow a fuse and they said exactly what they thought. I mean, Laney, I know you had a couple of thoughts about that match in itself and, I mean, none of us are happy. You were very unhappy, weren't you? Yeah, I was really unhappy, to be honest with you. I I felt that we went there um, full full of expectation and we left just kind of scratching our heads and, and... kind of a bit devoid of hope because you know I, I think we, we've we've all fought not fought but we've all kind of given um, the team and the manager a lot of space and a, and a, and a lot of uh, a lot of a lot, lot of rope to kind of um, to go, to just 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 time to, to show what they can do and I, I thought that there's been a it's been a poor losing run which was kind of punctuated with a great win at QPR but we've been playing okay and you know the, the you know the, the tweeting dogs of this world, they 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 kind of they they they, they must have been delighted on Saturday because it, it kind of it manifested itself in a in a in a really awful performance and a and a, and a bit of a clueless setup. So you know um, it showed that there were real chinks in 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 uh, in, in the, in the armoury of, of Dean Smith and you know and I said after the game that you know. Um, we, we give it. We, we, we ought to have given him a year. Or we ought to have given him a whole season. And I, I still believe we probably should give him the whole of the season. We we showed in the in the last few weeks where you know we we we're, we're we're flawed, but we're not we're not relegation fodder. We the trouble trouble is we are going to get we, we could get sucked into it. So you know um, he's not doing himself any favours if I'm honest with you. And you know I, I can understand now why now is the time where some some people are getting more vociferous. And they're getting more vociferous and there's obviously things that are happening in and around the club, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast, because, um, like I said to you, there's, there's calls for Dean Smith, you know, is he the right person, he's not the right person, you know, there's a few things happening at the moment now, but like I said, we'll come on to that in the podcast, we want to concentrate strictly on this Norwich game at the moment, the Allard, midfield were terrible, defenders aren't tracking back, subs were too late, you know, um, you know, some of that comes down to the players themselves, the personnel, some of them comes down to the manager, I mean... What went wrong for us that day? Well, you've really out of me as not being there, so I suppose it, it makes it more difficult um, for me to, to say exactly what went wrong on Saturday. But I can give you a general theory. Um, I think we're a team that have got some real flaws at the moment, and you can get away with the odd flaw here and there. But essentially, we're a team playing without a left back. Um, there's, I think we all know that we're not strong enough in midfield. We've got two decent midfielders, but we know between the two of them, we're not. We don't have any. There's no bite there. Um, Which we, are they? Who are they out of the three? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm saying Woods and Yanaris. 
Um, you know, so so that, you know, both decent players playing together. You like bite. Um, who, who would you? Sorry to Roswell, so Who would you keep in if you were to add a bit of bite? You might have to rethink how you do it. Um, you might have to go free in the central of midfield and just play, you know, which we did do under times with Warburton and just play two wide men and a centre forward. Um, it, you know, there's very, but, but to be honest, with short players, there's only really McCormack that could even be an option to come in and give some buy in midfield. Might make an argument that Bielen could, um, if he can play in midfield, um, he has done. We've not seen him, so we don't know. So maybe that, you know, there's another, there's another argument there. And um, carrying on with flaws, though. Yeah, and it's interesting. Just just picking up on what you're saying about um, um, McCormack, because the last time actually when we had a good run is when McCormack was in the side. So as soon as McCormack has kind of come out of the side, our form has, has dipped off. So it's it, it's kind of the style that we're you know. It was a half fit McCormack as well. Yeah, indeed. So, so I mean, I'm just picking up on that point. You know, and we're not saying that McCormack is the be all and the end all because he's a good player, but also he is very injury prone. I don't. He is injury prone. I don't think I'm saying anything that people can't see for themselves. I think it's it's obvious that we've really never. You know, we haven't replaced. You know, I would probably say um, Duragaga. Um, Tamani from you know from last season, but you know you can make an argument that there's players before that we haven't replaced. Um, so so that's a flaw. I think we're we're short. We're we're physically we're a short team, so we're going to struggle defending set pieces. Um, we got no pace out wide. Um, we can't, players aren't beating players out wide. And and the big one is we're not scoring goals. The mid, the attacking midfielders are not scoring goals. I think they've I think I've worked out they've scored something like six goals this season. And that's if you include Viva. Previously they were getting thirty a season. I mean Lou, that that game on Saturday. I mean we came back on the train and yes we had a we had a brilliant brilliant train ride home. We had a laugh, but it's a gallows humour now. What you normally find, and also the last time that we had, because again we, were sitting, we talked Caravan of Love, Caravan of Love was the theme tune for the train on the way home if you were there and you passed through, we apologise, but you know, it's the theme tune. The last time we actually sang Caravan of Love is when we lost 4-1 away to Colchester, so it always seems that we have to go away to up that sort of kind of Essex coast, going up the Essex Norfolk coast, you get battered quite a bit, Caravan of Love comes out, so again we've got to Norwich, we've lost, Caravan of Love came out, um, but there's a reason why we sang that isn't there? Yeah, it is. It is. It's we were we were laughing in the face of adversity. I, you know, I think there's only so ang- so so angry you can get at a game. I heard that we were the main game, ironically enough, on the football league show for once. You know, El Crapico. So it was. What can, what, can, what can you say about that? It's for me. It was worrying uh, that it looked worse. It looked worse in the highlights, and you watch it over and over again. They with our tight midfield, and you know. As sort of wingers or fullbacks that didn't work, they had people overlapping their overlappers. They had loads of time, and we had as well. People forgot massive miss from Hogan at two at two nil just before half time. Hogan misses a six yard header, second second game in a row. You know, I mean that was an open goal. I'm going to ask you a question. I know it's you can't really answer that, but if we had scored that, would that have made a big difference to the game? Because we would have been back in at two one. They were still struggling a bit. I mean, defensively, they were a little bit all over the place. You know, would that have made a difference to us? Because after that, you know, our heads kind of went down. Well, we could have lost five-one. Uh, no, I think yeah, I think I think the whole lineup was was Dean Smith assuming that Norwich thought they had more to lose um, than us. So we went attacking. We got found out incredibly quickly, um, and then we never recovered. Whereas if we could have semi-recovered just before half-time, it might have changed. But I don't want us now becoming the teams the team that other teams 
think they can change their season against. You know, we've got a pretty tough run if that's you know, against teams like Leeds and Birmingham and Cardiff who think they've got something to play for and they're on the up. Interesting, I mean, we talk about we, we conceded a goal and lots of people said that we had no plan when we concede. I mean, is this a, sort of, is this a common feature? I mean, or is it, you know, not saying it's slightly unfair, but, you know, we've had times where we've actually kind of come back and we've been be, be right, but at the moment now, you know, it doesn't seem to be going in our favour, does it? No, we had, we had a really bad, uh, poor stat after a little uh, under Warburton. We had, uh, you know, under, under Mark Warburton, <laughs> everything was amazing. Um, but we we we, had, we, had, we we look good coming back. You know, it's almost like we dare you to score. We'll you score one, we'll score two. Under Rosler, we were tight. You know, we, we hardly ever scored two, but but hardly let anyone score. Under Smith, now it does look that way. Unfortunately, the last year, if you get that first goal against us, we're not really going to end up with three points. Yeah, I think I think this season it's only against Villa that we've come back from not scoring the first goal to get any points and that was a draw I mean the Liberal the Liberal nodding his head quite a lot Um, there was a lot of unhappiness been emanating from you for for quite a while but you've managed to hold it down but you know you're on your pedestal now because you're out of here you're you're going going to go and support Exeter so you can say what you want to Liberal that game and Brentford overall your thoughts um, j- j- just for anybody that clarify, I will be at every home game and as many away games as I can. Um, so I'm not disappearing. So what I say is as a committed Brentford fan. And on Saturday, there was no passion, there was no pride shown by any of those 11 players on the field. Uh, the, gr- the day was grey, the sky was grey. We had a manager who's standing on the touchline dressed in grey who seemed not to be interested in what the score was. Um, I, you know, I, as, you, as you will know, Billy and, and Dave, I moved away at, uh, for the last sort of quarter of the game because I went down the front to see, get a better view of the touchline and to get a better view to, uh, or to get a better sound to see if, hear if I could hear the players talking to each other. There was, no, there was no player on the pitch shouting at each other or, or even talking to each other rather than shouting in a positive way. Um, looking across to the far touchline, there was no agitation from the bench. There was no instructions as to, what, as to what to do. There was no sort of cries of encouragement to push forward or to defend back or whatever. I just thought that the team, somebody mentioned, I think, uh, that the team gave up after the third goal. I thought they gave up earlier than that. I thought they gave up actually after the second goal and probably after Hogan's miss. It was an all-round disgraceful performance from the team. And I'm sorry, and let's, let's call it out here. What really, really peed me off at the very end of the game was that a certain player came over and there were a few boos and I was not one of them because I don't actually believe in booing the team there were a few boos from a few of the crowd and a player started having a go at the crowd this was people who paid you know 30 quid for a tick 30 quid for a ticket had paid for travel 20 20 pound on the train might have paid for a bit of food so had paid 60 or 70 pounds and there was a player on the pitch who showed no pride no passion calling out loyal fans who had traveled up there and that's when I thought sod you you know you deserve it with all the barrels that you'll be getting from people like me and from others and I think we've been too polite for too long to this team I mean We've got, we've got to say it, Nick, and you've been sort of quite vocal and, you know, at the end of this piece there as well. You put a question mark about Dean Smith in himself, OK, as being a manager 
where you basically said that you didn't feel that he was the right person to leave Brentford. Um, can you enlarge on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I can enlarge on it, but the fact that I, the, as, as Matt and as Lou have referred to, there didn't seem to be any alternative plans. I mean, there, there seemed to be no, you know, when we're losing, when we're going down, you would expect there to be substitutions made, you know. There should have been substitutions made at, at, in half-time, um, if not in the first half. Um, it took until... It took until 65, 70 minutes for any substitution to be made. It was clear after the second goal went in that the, the whole plan was, was flawed and, and, and you know, the, the, it was derailed. You know, Norwich could have had four, four or five at first half. Uh, Dan Bentley pulled off some really good saves. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't seem to hold on to the ball when he was parrying them here, there and everywhere. If they'd have gone anywhere else, it, it could have been a cricket score first half and... You know, um, we, we were second to every ball. Midfield lost every battle. We were impotent up front. There was no service to Hogan, who I, you know, again, you know, if that, I, I said, I think whether it was used in the package, I thought, you know, he'd go straight home and pack his bags. You know, he, he's, he's clear, we're clearly not doing enough to hold on to him. I mean, I suspect Dean Smith is a very good technical coach. I think, you know, he, he produced a good Walsall team. You saw the way that he turned round last season um, um, players, you know, and, and got us out of what we were in relegation form last season. He got us out of that but by working on the training ground. But I think you need a different figurehead. Dean Smith, I would suggest, is probably the assistant manager, the, the, the head coach. He's not the manager of the club. We need somebody who's going to install a bit of pride and a bit of passion. I go back to those using those two words in our club. Well, I, th- I think what's interesting about Dean Smith is that my, my recollection of the, from the Walsall fans, and I know there was a lot of, you know, they shouted a lot and raved a lot and, you know, went a bit... They were just not happy, were they? They, they were not happy. happy. They were not happy. However, would you be if you lived in Walsall? One of the things they did mention is that Dean Smith's football teams go on long losing runs. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that was said by them, and, and it seems that. 19 games. And, and 19 it's, games without a win. Yeah, okay, 19 games without a win. And it seems that ultimately, maybe, is this, is this unexpected? You know, based on, based on what he did at, at his other club? Yeah, well, I, I was thinking about it, where it's very sad that Liberal Nick does, does not back the yellows. You know, in any scenario, you know, after his, his masterminding a win for the Yellows in Richmond uh, against opponent to Lionel Road, Zach Goldsmith. Um, oppo- well, opponent to employment, Zach Goldsmith. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't know if Dean Smith is trying to tell the board something with the substitutions. He made that sort of bizarre, mealy-mouthed excuse about bringing Hoffman on against Blackburn might have taken too long in, in stoppage time. And then he's, what has Kirchbaumer got to do? At the end of the season, he looked like he was finally getting up to speed. The poor guy, I mean, the most action he saw was in the five-a-side at the Christmas party yesterday. So, yeah, I mean, I'm really glad you brought up Kirchbaumer because, you know, I mean, I, I am, as, as Matt will testify, I'm no tactical genius and I'm not necessarily, not, don't necessarily recognise a good player player too. But, for instance, what does Kirschbaumer have to do to get a game? He is a box-to-box player, and it struck me that on Saturday, what we could have done with was with a box-to-box midfield player, who wasn't existing. 
he's only, he's only a box-to-box player if you choose to play him that way. Um, and we've never chosen to play him that way, as far as I can make out, apart from his very early days. He's always played more. He's always played further up the pitch. So yeah, I take your point. That may be what he what he is and what he brings to the party. Um, we I don't remember us playing him in that role since his very very early days. So and you know I. Can you make an argument that it's time to, you know, give Kirschbaumer a go? Yes, you probably can based on the performances. Ultimately, though, what I think is the real worry is that Smith, I don't think Smith knows what his best team formation or anything is at the minute. Um, and, you know, I, I think that we're, we're in a position where when we do need to go back to basics and we do need to go back to the team that he does know, we don't do it. Well, there's two things here. I, you know, I've said this before, Kirschbaumer, towards the end of last season, and Huddersfield away in the last game of the season in particular, he was, he, he was coming into his own. He was showing some form. He, 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 he provided some killer through balls in a couple of those games for Hogan. Um, and I, I, I thought this season was, was going to be his season. And he, he seems to be warming the bench for, for, for way too long. We, sometimes you need to just chuck a wild card in there. Like, where are you, Naris? move from, from full-back to the midfielder and, and, he, and he found some form. Sometimes you need to just like throw it back in. And the second thing I need to say is if, if, um, if Dean Smith was making a protest on Saturday, well, he's a brave man. Losing 5-0 away normally means a sack. Um, yeah, if, if he's showing that he's not, he's not picking his, you know, he's not getting his, um, you know, he's, he's not enough get enough back in the transfer market. Sometimes you need to look at the players that he has brought in, um, Romain Sawyer's being one of them, and, um, you know, the kind of performances he's getting out of him. I think he's shown too much loyalty in Sawyer's at the moment. I think he's had, I think he had a really good game against QPR where he silenced his critics. But since then, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was pedestrian at Carrow Road. Yeah, just there was there was something really interesting on Twitter. Uh, uh, yeah, one of one of the Brentford loyal brigade, Tony Locke, he put up quite a, quite a nice tweet saying he get it's his impression that Dean Smith doesn't know what he's done exactly when he wins, and he doesn't know exactly when he's when he's lost. And after the Birmingham game, I was you know I had some consolation in the pub when people were saying we played well, we played well. The result didn't match the performance, but at the minute when we're playing badly or when we're playing well we still get the same result so we're losing it's just by varying degrees of loss and that's so uh, yeah Tony, uh, Tony Cross the Lockster's uh, tweet as well which was going around and we found it actually very very interesting the Allard another good point though is that we, we tried playing three at the back in one game we all agreed we played well we pretty much all agreed we got robbed of a result and then we don't then we stopped playing that again at the next game that I don't get either I've got to say as well, which, which is quite interesting, because after that game, um, it was talked about a bit, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't amplified massively. There was a inverted commas, as they call it, a Stevenage moment. There was a Stevenage moment where it all kicked off in the dressing room, apparently, and there's fingers pointing, and they're all telling a load of home truths about everybody. I think about coaches, probably managers, players, and all kicked off, and they felt it was very good that they cleared the air. Then obviously, the last time we had a Stevenage moment it was Uwe Rosler when he was on that bad run. And then we went to Stevenage, we lost to them, all the players started kicking off, and then after that we went on a 19 game unbeaten run after that. That one. We went on a whoa, 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 run. That's the right, that's right. Now I'm not saying this is necessarily going to be the case, but is this something that maybe needed to happen? Because maybe we were just sort of sleepwalking into a 5 0 defeat. I think though, I'm not saying it will happen. 
because actually what happened after the Stevenage is, um, result was that Uwe learnt some, some things and decided to change his ways. I'm not what, so what exactly did he learn? Do you remember? Uh, he learnt, he learned well he learned to trust some players and he learned also to give the players some freedom as well and, um, and he, he dropped Logan who he's always playing and he put in McCormack on the right and I think also he brought in we a wing we, we didn't change shape we didn't start home games anymore 4-5-1 like we've done sometimes and we didn't he had a tendency when we were leading maybe by one goal of taking the striker or an attacking player off quite early that would be his first sub often under Rosso like he thought one goal was enough yeah. after that he kind of realised better to go embrace the attacking side of the team and try and get two and then or three and then see how you are my, my recollection is he settled into a simple into a simple formation it's actually the same formation Warburton carried on with um, he went and he just basically because he'd been trying midfield diamonds and all that stuff and he basically went something like 4-3-3 three, three or 4-5-1 whatever you want to call it and, um, and, he, and he stuck with it well, he became less risk averse, which was the, always the criticism of him, wasn't it? And um, and you know, when Warbs took over, he just he just took the bat and then he took it one stage further. He, he became even more adventurous. Um, I just all, all, I'll always remember that game at Peterborough away on New Year's Day, where where we just came away. I think we went one goal down, but we never at once thought that we were ever not going to win that game. I think I think um, Sam Saunders got injured that day, but he was on a, a brilliant run of form. But we we looked invincible from there on in. Well, then yeah, I mean, where, where is that going to happen for us now? Like like Matt said. We, we did like we lined up differently after a good good but unfruitful <laughs> performance against Birmingham. We, we kind of went for it. We kind of gambled. This, that was Dean Till's gamble. Quite an attacking lineup on Saturday, and we got destroyed. Just just maybe we need to just get a little bit less little, little, little bit less risk averse for the moment, you know, and just go for it again. We we we, we certainly got the players, but we 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 we, we, we are we are on the, we're a counter attacking team at the moment rather than an attacking team. Yeah, except what we've got to do is settle on a formula and stick with it. And the problem is, is at the moment, all that we ever seem to do is change, change formations, change, change teams every game. I mean, and again, I mean, one other thing, we're just talking about the team, we're talking about Norwich, we're talking about the manager here now, because it's very important, because we're going to talk about other things on this podcast a little bit later. But it's interesting, there's one person, I'm not sure whether or not he said it in the, either in the after, uh, after the match podcast, which you can catch on besotted.co.uk, or... <coughs> He, uh, he might have said it to us just privately uh, in, in, the, in the pub, but he said that, you know, Dean Smith, and again, it wasn't a n- negative, nasty criticism on him. He said to him, the thing is that he says he hasn't really made a bond with the fans as maybe as other managers have done. And I've, I've heard quite a few people have said that where they just don't be- believe that Dean Smith is kind of like, they don't feel a sort of natural connection with him. Now, maybe that's just kind of his style and he kind of goes off and he does his own thing but you know not sure whether or not it's a case of kind of clapping the fans you know they said that you know it's very rare that people actually sing his name you know just do all this kind of stuff and you know and maybe there's a I hate to use the word PR, but maybe there's a kind of something inside there where if he had a bit more of a natural connection with the fans, they may actually let him get away with a little bit more than you're doing at the moment now. But because they don't do and they don't kind of understand what's going on, you've also got this kind of thing where people feel a little bit ambivalent about Dean Smith. Yeah, I mean, well, he's grey, isn't he? His hair's grey, his shirt's grey, his tracksuit's grey. He, but maybe, what, would, what do people want? They want the result. That, that's it at the end of the day. And I would rather, people talk about passion. And often passion is, is pa- to paper over the cracks of limited ability. So people like Harley Dean, who, who they, they have a limit to their ability, and, and Martin Allen, you know, which is very clear. 
and they might think they're better than Brentford, but actually, and Brentford might think they're better than them, but we're actually probably quite a good fit. Um, what we have with Dean Smith is, I, I don't, I don't want him to square up to other managers. I want him to shore up the defence or to work out how to score an equaliser away from home. That's what I want from. He's, I don't think he's got to prove anything. I, I, I think this age of, yeah, you, players. Players should show respect, but fans as well. We're a fickle bunch. It goes both ways. The best thing he can do is go on a run and seem like this. You know, oh, oh, who was it? Mark Devlin or Cliff Crown said, "Always better to underpromise and overdeliver." Yeah, I mean, let, let, let's not get away from it. He's obviously Dean Smith is obviously a nice guy. There's some really nice pictures going round today of Dean Smith at the Christmas party last night um, with with, ki- with kids and. Um, uh, uh, um, and, and supporting the, Bre- the Brentford um, the Brentford Christmas party, and he was obviously really good with there, as was indeed some of the players. Look, nobody's doubting he's a nice guy, but maybe he is too nice to be a football manager. Well, again, you know, the pe- people are people that I, I know that know him well say what an amazing bloke he is. Um, when I when I hear about his musical taste, I think he's right up our street, and he should be down the pub with us after a game. Um, there's a disconnect. Does he like Buck's Fizz? He does like, yeah, he does. He likes yeah, Boney M and all that lot. No, 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 he's, he's got a really good taste in movie. Uh, you know, from what I hear, he's, he's a bit left field and he, 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 he's kind of a, actually a quite a perfect fit for Brentford. But there's, there's a communication problem and maybe that's just not his style. But he, he, isn't, he, he doesn't seem to be connecting with fans. Or, um, or, or maybe it's been a decision by the club to actually kind of like just keep him away and do his own thing because we've got this whole rebranding but also the club's sort of trying to get in this whole rebranding world so what happens is that you've noticed that they stop you doing certain things and doing certain places there is four or five years ago we were the pub that went down the pub you know the team that the team went down the pub after they won promotion with the manager and the owner but now maybe we're getting to the stage where that's not that can't happen anymore because it's not part of brand Brentford I don't know but I'm just trying to say to you you never know what's going on behind the scenes I mean, there is, there, there's that, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Matthew Benham tweets something, it's amazing, but they, they, half the people also think it's terrible. And I think we are moving away from that. Look at Phil Giles and uh, and, um, uh, and Rankson, Rank, Randers Ankson, what's his name? Rasmus. Rasmus, Rasmus, Rasmus Ankson. But what, and, and, you know, as much as we talk about Dean Smith on the pitch, he's got an issue, you know, his dad's seriously ill with a long-term condition as well. So, you know, how many Brentford fans can come into work and totally have their eye on that when they know they've got to drive 150 miles, go look after a dying parent? Yeah, which is, and again, which is, which is, which is a very a sad thing. And there's a thing that maybe he hasn't put out there and there's something he's got to deal with and maybe he sits down there and he just wants to go and do the job and he doesn't want to be going around and doing all these PRE things and stuff like that. And maybe there's a time and a place. But anyway... We've talked enough about Dean Smith, about the team, about Norwich. We've talked about a lot of other things, but we've got we're going to come back to a lot of this stuff because there's other things going on in and around Brentford. But we're going to have a little break while we listen to this twang. As we move into the new year, a bit of news has been floating around on the interweb, and sometimes they say there's no smoke without fire. So apparently Brentford have been linked from the Danish press with a coach. Thomas Franks, he's Danish, and uh, the Danish press has said it's done, done deal, sorted, it's all done, it's end of story. Franks is coming over to Brentford, and he's going to be there, and he's going to be employed by them in a coaching capacity. Now he's got two first names. Yeah, he's got two first names, you know, which is uh, which is a good thing for Brentford because we've got quite a few people that have two first names, and you know they've done fairly well for us. So we've thought, we've we've been chatting about this for the past you know couple of days about the Franks, and we just said, look, how, how 
how's he going to fit in? You know, we know that, and we've had lots and lots of conversations about Pedersen. Pedersen has been at Brentford, and he's been brilliant, and then he's left. And it's a bit gutting that he's left, and there's a big hole in there. We thought whether or not Kevin O'Connor is just going to carry on that role and be the, the head of the under-21s, or the development side. Um, question mark there. So all of a sudden, Franks has come in with this question mark of a role. He's a coaching role, but how exactly he's going to fit this side? I mean, the Allard, you've been doing a bit of research on the Franks, haven't you? Yeah, firstly, it's Thomas Frank. Um, no, no S, as far as I can make out. Um, so, um, yeah, well, I, I, the, you, can only, you can only figure out so much about somebody. Uh, he's, he's worked in the youth setup with the, in, with the Danish national team. Um, so, you know, that could point towards, um, you know, maybe working with the B team, I guess. Um, but he's also managed um, or coached uh, Bromby. Um, while he was at Bromby, I think he had a couple of years there, his, 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 win, his win record was 45%. Um, so, and I think Dean Smith's currently running at about 37%. So, just to kind of give you an idea of where that is, um, I think probably more than that, probably going against him for some Brentford supporters is that um, he's he's Danish, and also he's um, he's got a degree in coaching and sports psychology. So, um, so he knows I, what he's talking about. You mean? So well, he's an intellectual it, foreigner. Yeah. So um, I'm slightly worried. Brexit I'm, means Brexit. <laughs> I'm slightly worried for him already. Continental. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, there's interesting. I mean, this geezer and also is interesting because he he, he was the manager of Bromby, and I actually saw Bromby. I saw Bromby play last year, freezing cold October. In uh, I saw them play Michelin as I do because you know that's, that's, that's what you do. You know when you go to Denmark, you go pop out there. So I popped down and I saw them play Michelin. They were actually an half decent side. They were <coughs> Bromby fans were absolutely mental. It was a cold, cold Tuesday night. No Sunday night it was. It was, but I went out there with my son. Me and my son went out there, and we saw the game. But they played a half decent game, and he was. I didn't really obviously the link. I knew that at the time. I thought, let me go and see one of our future coaches and see how he actually plays football. And they, and they won that match, and they they beat Michelin, who were obviously the champions at the time, and they did all right. Just to say, yeah, he was Frank. I believe was part of uh, the setup of Bromby when they were taken over by a betting company, Bet Twenty Five, who have now gone on to bigger and better things, running the whole league in Sweden. So uh, coming to Brentford, the sham puppet front of Mark, Mark and Matthew Benham's evil gambling empire will we'll be home from home for him. I think it complicates things, if I'm honest with you. I'm, I'm, not, sure, I'm not sure where he, what, what kind of rank he is. I'm not sure where he's going to f- be shoehorned in. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. I mean, it's not been confirmed. It's, it's only, it's only rumour still at the moment. Yeah, but there's no smoke with that fire, I think. Uh, yeah. There isn't, but I mean, I, you know, it's not... It's not guaranteed. He's not. Like it. I think there's no smoke with that fire, and I think this is a fire. You know, not even Danish press. They're all over it, and then all of a sudden, it, you know. Have you, have you smelt the bacon? Yeah. This there's, is there's bacon. There's, there's this bacon. Is Winter Castle, baby. Yeah. There's there's, there's there's bacon being fried, so I'm sure there's no smoke with that fire. But I think what's more important is what you're saying is that, and this is a question to be asking: is that is is he? You know, obviously, you know, you've got a coach that he, to me he seems actually like quite an experienced coach stroke he's manager he's managed teams under 19s he's managed teams you know he's managed Brunby who you know are sort of technically what the second third best team in in, in in Denmark as well like you know he's got internationals he's got all sorts of stuff going up so he's coming over to look after our development squad it, it, it will put the cat amongst the pigeons uh, you know it, it, you can't you can't put a man with that kind of experience and potential into this setup without it either being 
um, waiting for waiting for Smith to to to, to just jump or or, or or be sacked, or um, for him to just be like airlifted in to replace him. I I, th- I think why would why would you come to Brentford if you you wouldn't come to Brentford to look after the second team? You come there you come there because of and you know I I, I whether it's now whether it's six months whether it's a year's time. He's been brought in for something, and you know, if it happens, then um, you know it, it. It would. He's. You know, is he going to be the head of football philosophy? Uh, that's the other. That's the other option. He's the only job going. But I mean, I mean, I'm going to be sort of not say devil's advocate here as well. But the fact is that he is, he is, a, he is a coach. And the fact is that you know, maybe it's interesting because what happens is that we had a coaching system here where we had this guy who. We've, we haven't seen him, but he's up, we've identified him as being half decent. And he coached the beast, and uh, he coached he coached beast very well. And then he's gone off now. And we were saying, why wasn't he more involved in the rest of Brentford? Why wasn't Brentford? so? Maybe this guy is actually going to be coming in with the under 21s but he's going to be involved in the rest of the team. But, but you know, it, with our system is identifying talent and then nurturing it and working out how best use it. You know, and that, you know, we, we do that with players. Then you have to do that with coaching staff. You have to do it with fitness staff. You have to do that with sports psychology, nutrition staff. You have to, you have to see who's who's achieving elsewhere and who wants the opportunity to come to Brentford and, and, and excel. And you know, maybe he's, I don't know. Maybe he's happy to come and play number two. I don't know what the conversations, the recruitment policy, how he's been headhunted. I don't know how all that works, but. Maybe he's content in, in himself to come here and, and be uh, Fleming Pedersen's replacement. That's what slightly worries me is that it's another coach coming in because is it a coach that we need? Um, we've got. Well, we've got, we just lost the coach, haven't we? Yeah, well, we, yeah, we lost the coach for the B team, but as Dave and others have rightly pointed out, is he going to come in and, and manage the development and, and sorry, coach the development squad? What B-team. I or B team or you know whatever is the latest trendy name for it. Um, what we need to do, though, is think about the director of footballs. Um, you know, there's been some criticism of them about what have they been doing over the last couple of years, or you know, year. Where are they? Where do they feature in all this? I'm actually going to be contrary to a lot of supporters and a lot of to what people might expect, and say actually, I think the directors of footballs have done quite a good job because they are pretty good at identifying the right players. You know, and. It's a hit and miss game. I, you probably get more wrong than you get right in that. In, in, in well, with, a, with a limited budget, you, I mean, that's yeah. the, 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 the chances of you getting it wrong and trying to compete at this level. You know, if we were playing in Division Division One now, it'd be an easier game. But we're not playing in Division One. We're playing the Championship, so it's not letting anyone off. But let's just be, let's facts about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So actually that fits in with the director of philosophy role because if you have somebody who from a coaching point of view recognises the philosophy of where a club can develop working with directors of football in a particularly unique system there could be a way forward but 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 and the big but is that we have we are a championship team who are despite what Dave says in danger of relegation we need to be concentrating on our first team and making sure that we're not relegated this season while we're practicing all these wonderful Danish um, new way thinking behind the scenes um, I remember I said it a few times before is that my concern is where you know there needs to be a football man within this structure um, and whether you know maybe within the management side of the structure um, and in Phil and Rasmus, although they both worked in football, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily see them as coach, coaches, or well, in fact, not. I don't, I don't see them as that at all. 
Um, and, 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 and I do feel there is a need to have somebody who, who is more of a football, you know, who's coached at a high level to be involved in the structure somewhere. Um, so, you know, but, but to be honest, I think it's a really complicated structure um, to try and actually figure out what you would, you know, call something where it'd fit in. And, and I am worried about overcomplication here and then, and then a real problem with where the power lies. Yeah, no, I was, I, I, I agree, I agree with, with Matt. If you've got, you've kind of got a pseudo board between the board and the manager of people who are really kind of managing the B team rather than the first team. Where, where do we go? And we have an issue as well with the finances and with the first team is that we're always starting from the bottom up, right? So football man, I know I've, I've got some, I've got some QPR mates there. I said it, and even some family, and they're not impressed with Holloway coming back. The same way, you know, Martin Allen could be our football man, and they, they, the world has moved on, for, unfortunately for them. So, but, but there is a balance of having having someone higher up, and we, we do seem to have lost. It seems Mark, Mark Warburton seems to have about three or four years worth of really good scouting talent. It, he's been showing up at Rangers now because he's still signing the, the ex-Brentford players and still sniffing around them. But we, we need to get someone who's got good, good contacts. Or, or we need to start gambling again on Andre Gray's from non-league rather than trying to look at strategic buys who might germinate and, get, and become fit in three or four years. Germinate. Um, I, yeah, do. Um, I think the Allard, I'll, I'll leave this on one word, overcomplicate. I, I think, I think you know, dropping in another coach into this setup is going to overcomplicate what is already a kind of a bit of a maze of working out the link between the B team and the A team and what's going to go on. I think, I think, I think it, it may create more problems than it solves. But you, again, I'm, 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 I've been told devil's advocate here. Two weeks ago, we were talking about Fleming Peterson leaving and is leaving a hole in the side. So, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a bad move. I'm, I'm just saying it, it really does confuse where what Dean Smith's role is. I'm not, I'm not saying that Dean Smith, you know, is he, he should, he, you know, he shouldn't, he shouldn't be above criticism. I'm just saying this puts a big question mark over Dean Smith. I'm not saying it's not needed. I'm just saying I, I wonder what the, I wonder how this is going to play out. Um, Fleming Pedersen's role only became clear when he became co- head coach of the B team or the development squad, as it was, I think, when he became head coach. Um, so that, that was the only point where I was clear on exactly what he did and what role he played. Um, so this is so for the second time, because the same time happened with Carsley, um, Kevin O'Connor takes over the B team or the development squad. Are we, are we really suggesting this guy's going to come in to replace Pedersen directly as Pedersen, in the position Pedersen was when he was at the club? Which means for the third time, no, maybe it's the second time, whatever, Kevin O'Connor gets displaced again. Again, we can't answer because the thing is, as laser, it's a bit of speculation. No smoke without fire. But I think at the moment now, we're probably trying to work out what the scenario will be. Um, we probably got a, we got a situation now, like I said to you, where we got a coach coming in, and like we said to you, the person we would, we thought that he can add to the mix, and maybe this is a situation where they might think that this character can actually add to the mix in the first team, where the person wasn't actually involved in the first team mix at all beforehand. And you know, I'm not saying because we don't know, but maybe that's actually sort of quite a good thing because he's, you know, maybe it's quite a good thing. Yeah, ignorance could be bliss. Maybe there's a whole load going on. It'd be interesting to see who signs what players in, in the next window and who and who sells them. Will, will, will it be Dean Smith given given the final sign off and? Behind all this as well, we've got Rowan getting tapped up by the Scottish FA 
for you know we've apparently we've we've perfected this science of the small club the underdog um, and small, even smaller countries now are looking into how do you how do you maximise rather make the net smaller and go and, and, and get the better fish. How do you maximise what exactly? Please uh, explain. Uh, a lot of people uh, won't know uh, what you're uh, saying. Oh, fi- finding youth players, finding finding youth players, finding talent rather rather than rather than doing a Southampton and guzzling the million kids that live within 50 miles of you. We can't do that. So what we need to do is we need to kind of let. Arsenal, Man United, Chelsea, Tottenham, West Ham do that for us and then see who, see who they throw out you know, when, they're, when they're 16, 17, 18 and then, and then us work out who the best dozen are and then go with it. There's a lot of pressure on the directors of football in this next window. That, I think that, that's for sure. I don't think what they've done so far is, is beyond criticism. Uh, I don't think they've done a, an awful job. I don't think they've done a brilliant job. Um, I, I, I trust them as individuals. I like I like them as people. Um, and, but this January is gonna is, is a big one. It, it really is a big one. We, we are clearly weak in a lot of areas. Um, is is Andy Scott as well? Who's been he's been on the on, on the scouting staff as well. You know we, we we need to come up with three or four gems this next window. There's one danger in this next transfer window is that do you go out there and buy for the short term or do you buy for the long term and probably the next four or five matches decree what you do. And talking about transfer window and transfers, next we're going to be talking about transfers, transfer window and just having a look to see what's been going on the past few weeks. So just to let you know as well, quickly... Christmas is here. There's all sorts of elves and people jumping around and people very happy. We're in the uh, we're, we're in the, uh, the Mad Hatter, isn't it? You know, that's, that's from the old Wizard of Oz. Is it the Mad Hatter? No, probably not, actually. No, Alice in Wonderland. 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 The Mad Hatter, oh, which is just... Um, they're, they're Waterloo, they're Brackflies, and it's a nice, wicked, vibey little pub, actually. They've treated us very well here. So if you're ever in the year, we just come down, you should pop in here. Very good also. And we've got our Christmas social, as you probably know. Tickets sold out after about four or five days, but we put a few extra ones back on sale. So check the description box of this. We put a little link to that, so you can just check out for the social. Rich Cadet, Paul Gibbs, and, and, and Cole Hutchins on there as well. We've got an open bar for people, which is going to be very nice. It's in the brewery, um, which is going to be actually the bees up, isn't it? You know, it's the bees up in the brewery, like I was saying, as well, which is really great. You know, we've got DJs and all sorts of stuff, and it's just going to be a night of Brentford fans coming down. It's going to be a good laugh. We've got Ball Boys Charity, which is the testicular cancer charity as well, which are donating money to as well. So it's going to be a really good night, really good laugh, and for also a very, very good cause. But just coming back to Brentford now, transfers. News has come out. John Egan. They finally decided how much John Egan's going to cost Brentford, and uh, the cost is about 42 pence. And uh, we looked at that, we thought, oh my God, this is unbelievable. John Egan, you know, he's still got a lot to learn, but also he looks like a big, good, solid player. But the fact that he cost four, Brentford 42 pence was, 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 was amazing. Yeah, it, was a, it was a little bit more than 42p, not a lot. Uh, uh, how much was it? 400 grand, was it? Oh yeah, 400, well, 400,000, yeah, 400,000 pounds, which is just, just a little bit over 42 pence. But Egan... Um, it went to tribunal, and uh, like I said, you know, we, you know, apparently we put in 200 grand. They wanted to try and get 10 million, um, and then in the end, the tribunal settled for 400 grand. And on, on appearances and stuff like that, every, you know, 25 grand for every 20 appearances and like that. So he's got to go up to about 500 grand. Um, now, me personally, when I saw that, I thought, what a bargain! I thought it was an absolute bargain. Also, the Gillingham fans, when I looked on there, you know, Jill's Connect and that, they were going, oh my god, we've, we're quids in. Now, I must admit, when I saw the John Egan thing and it was going to go through, it was going to go to a tribunal, I thought it was going to be at least a million. 
or probably even a little bit more than that. Now, maybe I'm just so out of touch because the circle that we're dealing with when you have to end up buying players in this division, it seems that in the championship, you're always talking about sort of 750,000, a million, two million, three million pounds. So the fact that we've got a central defender who, the fact he's played for us 20 games already, his price is probably already a million, you know, if not more, you know, regardless of how he's played. So it just seems like it's a good investment, Lou. Yeah, well, I, I think I'd like to pose the question, who, who will get a, a full Irish international cap first, Egon or Hogan? Either way, you know, again, but uh, Egan, he's highly thought of in Ireland because his, his dad's got sporting prowess and there's a parallel there. I think when we lost Sonko, uh, when we, maybe when we lost Sonko, when we, lo- when we lost Soji, but it was half a million quid ten years, almost 10 years ago. So I think we got a bargain. Although having said that, I mean, if you're talking about the last month, people say we got ripped off. Uh, but you know, the first couple of months, he looks he looks like a great player. He looks like uh, uh, James Tar- Tar- Tarkowski. Who? You know. Isn't he our, our second leading goal scorer still? He is as well. He is free, a mighty free goals. So, uh, which is, says more on the midfield and, and, and the wingers. But you know, I, I I don't know. I think if you if you if someone mentioned on the podcast last week, I think it was Nick about us being in a state of transition. I think until we are either move to a new stadium or get to the premiership we're in a permanent state of transition every transfer window and we, sh- we should plan plan to lose our best three players hope not to and plan to find free replacements so who who would be the best three now at the minute would it be Egan, Bentley and Hogan? Again and you talk about Bentley as well when Bentley's tribunal's coming up next month and again you know what we're talking about you've got no idea what the figures are but you know Bentley's probably a little bit more we're maybe talking about you know quarter of a million um, a million pounds maybe for Bentley as well but if you talk about that I, I can't remember how much we sold Button for I have a feeling it might have been about two million pounds that he went to Fulham for I might have been wrong might have been slightly less slightly more but I thought it was around about that so all of a sudden you've got a replacement for Button at a million when he's gone for two million so all of a sudden you know it's like in like good business now when you're doing business like that where you seem to be improving the players that you're bringing in for a price, you start to see kind of where the strategy is. It doesn't necessarily always work, but, you know, there's a good bit of business done. But the reason why I looked at that was when I saw that, I thought, 400 grand, you know, he's done all right. Then I'm thinking about the money that's gone out for Gray, you know, or come in. And you've got a 9 million for him. Odebarju, I think it was 3.5 million. You've got Stuart Dallas, which is 1.5 million. You've got Button, which is a couple of million. Bidwell, can't remember how much we, we, we sold him for. Um, it's quite a lot. Of, quite a lot of money come in with, with, with Tarkovsky as well, which is you know a decent bit of money come in for him as well. With a transfer window approaching, now to me, I'm sort of thinking you know, Matt's talked about it. You, everyone's talked about the fact that we're still a little bit lean, a little bit lacking. In the last window, we tried to bring a winger in, we didn't do central midfielder. We're talking about um, the Cormac. The Cormac, yeah, great. You know, when he's in the side, it's brilliant. It's not. So we're obviously lacking that mid- central midfielder with the bite. So we need to we need to bring that in. So there's about three players we need to bring in. We seem to have an excess here of money. Surely that money, are they going to spend it this window? Or are they going to spend it in summer? But we need to spend that money to bring those players in. And I know it sounds obvious, but now looking at these figures and seeing how we're able to bring in these players for relatively, I think it's relatively cheap compared to kind of what we're bringing, what, what we're selling these players for. We should be working the market a lot better and actually kind of getting, you know, bringing in some players good for money. Well, the issue is, have we got a full squad at the minute? Is it one in, one out? We've, we've, got, we've got about four or five people who are acting, acting left-backs, 
So people like Tom Fields, you know, the great the great B team prospect doesn't get in. We got we've got. He's been injured, to be fair, though. Yeah. Well, well um, then okay. But what's going to happen when Elder's back and and Henry's back? Henri? I almost called him Henri. Yeah. There we go. Ooh la la. And and then what about people like Goggia and Yotta? We've we're, people are cry, crying out for wingers. We got wingers out on loan. What one one in really good form in Germany and the other one less so. In, in, in Spain but, but a fan favourite are we actually going to have to sell before we buy first is, it, is there not enough not enough room in the squads I think it's, it's a really I think what's interesting is that for me is that I, I what I support about what we've done in recent times is that literally most of the players we've sold on at a fee in fact I think probably all of them have gone for more money than we paid for them and we probably even got most of the money back we paid them in wages during that, the period they played for it and this seems to be the way forwards um, and I think we probably need and I'm sure we need to carry on doing that but if we lose three of our next four games we're going to be in a slightly different position to normal normally we have the luxury of going into a transfer window thinking you know what we need to do is we need to buy to it, you know, so that we can, um, so that we can basically buy players in that they might not be ready yet, but they can come in, and then we're going to sell them on at a higher price once we get them to championship sort of standard. And that seems to be kind of the, the blueprint. However, there may be a feeling during the next transfer window if we are within a few points of the relegation zone or worse, still in it, that we should be going out and doing what Newcastle did and buying Daryl Murphy, a 34-year-old. I think he's 34 from Ipswich centre forward. 43, 43. Yeah, is he 43? He looks like he's 43. Um, proven goal scorer in the championship, which I don't want us to do. But but there will be, you know, there will be an element of pressure. I don't think personally. I don't think we'll ever do anything like that. But there will be people that will be shouting for us to do it. Darren Bent. Darren Bent. Matt, you know, if you're in danger of relegation. We want to be in the championship. We don't want to be a Division One team. Therefore, we might need to be scouting around for players on a year's contract who will command ridiculous sums of money as well in wages, probably, who will keep us up. It's sad, but that's where we've got to as a club at the moment. It's interesting as you say that, and I'm going to come to Laney in a minute, but also the interesting thing is that you know people emphasise the fact that we're actually a young club. And they keep saying we're a young club, you're a young club. So if you're a young club you keep making mistakes. So like Ipswich, what we saw is that we went behind behind Ipswich, we went down, and we've seen this before where we've got no leaders, nobody coming up there and saying this is what you need to do. We talk about the fact that McCormack wasn't in the side so it didn't bring the side up. So is it the fact that we actually need to get a bit more balance in the side where actually, to be honest with you, you might have to invest in a couple of older players with experience to be inside that side, to be playing alongside these guys rather than having a load of 20, 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds, which is great when the going's good, but when the going's not good and, and, and they put their heads down you can't get it up again just can't get it up again um yeah um it just depends where you're setting your bar to be honest with you um you know i'm without sounding unambitious i i I think we're several years away from making the challenge for the next for the next level um i'm i'm still really happy to be here and um i don't i don't see in the the mad house yeah i'm happy to be here but i'm happy to be in the championship and I, I don't, I don't see really any any real danger that we're going to go down, you know. I don't know, you, you, you can say that, you know. And, and I'm not bit. I'm not. He's an Exeter fan, so you know he can scoff as much as he wants. <laughs> I'm not trying to be flippant, you know. Up up until Saturday, there was little sign that we were relegation fodder. We might be, we might be in suck, we might be sucked into the dogfight, 
but we we are not a bad. We're not an awful squad. We're not an awful team. We're, we're not, but we don't have the experienced <laughs> players to get us out of this problem. If, no, if no, we no. get into it. Well, no, no. But we said we said last year we weren't we weren't a battling team, and we said that a lot. And until until that new, that not um not Forest game, we were worried because we. We, we are an attacking team still. We're not a battling, roll-your-sleeves-up Rotherham team. Um, yeah, I'm with Laney in that, um, although, I don't, although I don't feel good about things at the moment, there are, I can think of two, two um, points last season where I thought we were, we were sort of staring or that, you know, down, down the barrel of a gun more than we, more than we are this week. Um, those, you know, those two points, been, I think it's October time, we had all the Carsey shenanigans going on and whatever. And then, um, and then, the, and then before the, the Forest game, um, I don't actually feel that way at the moment. I know we've lost 5-0 and, and obviously people are going to react to that really badly. Um, and, and that's understandable, especially if we come on the, you know, I think we've, we've probably lost five of our last four. So I, I, I totally get that. I don't, I may feel differently in two or three games time. But I just don't feel that way at the moment, and maybe it's really naive of me. But I'm I'm back in Laney. Well, for me, the for, for me, I, Bill, I think you did refer to Norris as Ipswich about four minutes ago, which is brilliant. Yes, you know, uh, it's you all did. the same. They're, the all same. All up, they're, they're all up. They're all up there the same. It's you know, the they same. charge us lots of it's money, you know, to get into the stadium well, and stuff like that. We'll, anyway. we'll reach a point where it seems to me that last year we were told in January just to kind of tolerate things, you know, that the inevitable sale was people had people had gone on strike, etc. And if we end up with another anticlimactic um, January in, in terms of sales, then the hardest thing to sell will be season tickets next year. If we become a six-month six month team and people think, oh, well, it's not going well by November or December and, it, and it's not looking good now, then people will give up, especially with our cup record as well. If you tolerate this, Kirsch Baumer will be next. <laughs> Indeed. And also, just talking about you know activity, because we've got to talk about we've got to look about activity, because it could. It, I actually think this window potentially, or it, it could be, or it should be exciting. Okay, because it, the fact is that we've got we've got a little bit more flexibility that we I think we had in summer, we had last year, and everything like that. We've only got one striker in the you squad. No, that's no, that's the fear. No, no. Eleven fifty nine. Uh, yeah. You know, when, when Burnley put that bid in for, bid in for Scott Hogan. Yeah, but you North know, West based Scott Hogan. But I would like to say I'd like to think that we're a little bit more. We're going to be a bit more proactive in this window, right? You know, just like we were proactive as we talked about beforehand with our goalkeeper and Bentley. We just we got in there because we just knew that things are going to happen. So I'd like to say that we're going to be more more active inside there. But also the hotter we just got talk about because we talked about hotter. We talked about creativity. Hotter. We had a scenario as well, which is in the not Scottish newspapers that Mark Warburton wanted uh, hotter, which was which is an interesting situation there because I mean you talked about it last week, do you? To a certain extent, a yeah, little bit. We talked about it a bit, and I I, I can't see that benefit in Brentford to be honest with you um, although you know, I say that I can too you know uh, we, we need him to be in some kind of shop window and is it better for him to be um, a, a, B, a B team bit part player at Brentford or is it better for him to be thrust into the first team under a player under a sorry under a manager who, who, who knows him well and got the best out of him we need a return on Yotta whether that's creating goals for Hogan whether that's scoring goals himself or cash in our bank one, one way or the other we need him back and, and, and earning money for us yeah, but, I mean, the, the hot scenario I mean it, not be funny it's in the Scottish press and it's fairly easy to get you know things are going to happen not so going to happen but if, if there's a need 
you know, the first thing you do is you put it out to the press and then you get a little vibe going and then you see what's going to happen. So I would say from the fact that it was actually, you know, back page of the Scottish newspaper, there is a want for Hotter from Warburton. Whether or not it's going to happen or not, I don't know, but that's 100% is the case. Now, the question that we did, as you said to it, is um, is a financial thing. You know, uh, of course, we Hotter needs to be kind of out there and doing stuff. I mean, Warburton, yeah, he'll probably, he'll probably play him because you know, you're not going to get him over, you're going to play him. Because he's, if, he doesn't, he's, if he doesn't want to live in London, why is he going to live in Glasgow? Well, this is the strange thing. These are the, the few strange scenarios that are happening there. But what I'm thinking, obviously, it's got to be it's hotter. There's going to be some movement in hotter this window. Hotter ain't going to be in e He ain't going to be sitting in e He's probably, I reckon he's going to be either be in Brentford or in, uh, I don't know, Derby or Ranger. He's, got, he's going to be somewhere. Whoa, 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 whoa. If he goes to Derby, we've got to ask real Actually, questions. I didn't mean Derby, actually. That's quite bad, actually. Okay, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. I mean, you know, I can see him being, you know, if, if he's good for a League One team, that, that's fine. But I think we've got to, we've got to, we've got to move on from Otter. You know, he, he is, he, he's... He's been there. He's done that for us. I think Davis said, "Let's let him let let us remember what he did for us at Fulham." You know, let's remember the good times. Well, I, said, I, I, I was the one that said that. All oh, right, you were the one that said that. It, it, you know, we we've had the good times out of him. He's never going to be as good as that. Let's move him on. Uh, I've, got, I've got a little joke for you. So this bloke goes into an Indian and he says, "Can I have a little? Can I have a chicken taka, please?" And the, play, and the waiter says, chicken taka, don't you mean a little chicken tikka? He said, no, it's like a little, it's like a chicken tikka, but a little otter. And on that note, we, we move on. <laughs> Nigel Clough, he's in charge of Burton. To me, that's not great news, because Nigel Clough, he's a half-decent manager, and he has done things. He's done the old great escape. He's taken teams from the bottom and taken them up to the top. He knows how to give them a better fight. Um, and Burton team this season, they've turned over a few teams. And uh, I have to be, I have to admit, I'm a little bit nervous about Burton coming down to Brentford on Saturday. Laney. Taken from Burton. Um, uh, they're going to come at us on Saturday. They're, they're no mugs. They're here on merit. Um, let's not be Billy Big Bollocks and say that we're better than Burton and we, we should guarantee three points. They're terriers, mate. They're gonna, they're warriors. Warriors, warriors. Indeed. They're gonna, they're gonna come down and they are gonna come at us and they're gonna know that we're vulnerable and there's a pressure on this game. Um, and I, I, I'm not taking anything for granted whatsoever. I would say it's fair enough that I don't think, you know, we don't even go around, go around there and say the score prediction for last week, did anyone get it right? Because everything got it completely wrong last week. But today, Laney, I'm just getting a bit closer. I'm, I'm, I'm going to apologise for this. I'm going to go 2-1 Burton. Ooh. The Allard. Um <clears throat> Burton are probably, you know, I, I would think they're probably rubbing their hands together because they're thinking, right, um, you know, we're going to a team, you know, they They've got a few points already. They're not, you know, they're, they're building their points together. I'm sure they're they're aiming for the 48, 49, whatever it is, points that guarantee your safety, and that's probably the that's probably their main thing to tick to this season. So, um, I suspect they are going to come at us on Saturday, and it is going to be a hard-fought battle. Um, I am nervous of it. Um, I think we might come out with something like a one-all. The Liberal in your last podcast ever for us in the, in the whole universe. Whoever loses this game could slip into the relegation zone. Could be in the bottom three of um, the championship. I I don't. I'm not quite certain that I share everybody's pessimism. 
uh, because I think the result that we saw last Saturday commands a better performance. I expect to see players playing with passion. I expect to see the manager and the head coach uh, pushing the pride in the club. Uh, London Pride, yeah? London Pride, any pride. I don't care what pride it is, just, just showing a bit of pride, pride and passion. And therefore, I'm going to go for a tarred-fought 1-0 victory to the Bees. The Lord Lucan. Sure, I don't care if Philip Hoffman nudges the winner over in the 96 minute with his foreskin and I get fisted by Dean Smith wearing Dan Bentley's glove. Sorry, fisted uh, in the face, that is, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah obviously. For the, for obviously, the, yeah. obviously. Yeah, I don't care. I don't want it to be Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas. All right, this is, this is, I think this is a bit more of a crunch game because everyone keeps kidding ourselves. There's always six teams bet worse than us. Then suddenly there's four teams and then suddenly Rotherham have beaten us and so-and-so have beaten us. And we, we've done it before. We, we're kidding ourselves. We, we need to get points on the board. So we, we, we're on a worse run for points than under Marinus. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, fu- I'm fully behind the team and I, I will take a 1-0. I would take a 1-0 so much right now. So, the Lord Lucan 1-0. And for me, the Bees are going to absolutely smash Burton off the, off, off the park. 3-0 to the mighty Bees. They're going to come back after that nonsense at Norwich. They can't do it. If they don't any less than 3-0, they need to come down to the pub with us next week and they need to, they, we need to have a chat with them and tell them, listen, this ain't acceptable because, listen, that was disgraceful. Well, you, you'll need a replacement on the podcast for me, so therefore... Yeah, yeah, we get, yeah, we'll get them all down, so listen. The, um, the Burton captain should be uh, XB, John Massinho. Ah, indeed, um, yeah. And, and, uh, the only team in the Football League with a beer belly in its badge. So the paddock will feel like they're represented during the game. So, so anyway, listen, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Thank you very much for listening to us. Thank you very much for subscribing to us. Thank you very much for going to iTunes and all these other places and listening to us. Like I said to you, social quickly is Carl Hutchins, it's Paul Gibbs, and it's also Richard Cadet. They're going to be there. It's going to be a laugh. It's going to be music. It's going to be beer. It's got a free bar. It's going to be all sorts of stuff happening. Just go onto the Besotted website or go onto this, uh, what you call it, the description box here, and you can get a ticket for that because we've only got a handful of tickets left we have to release them Burton on Saturday listen also we just want to let you know quickly £1 for kids £5 for juniors and £20 for adults Burton game so bargain. get your mates down there an absolute bargain oh, get down there new Brentford app being there's, launched there's a new Brentford app being launched as well so you can get everything in there you can talk about the results and you can talk about all sorts of stuff you just go inside there you don't need to go one spot apparently so um, yeah, it looks, look, looks quite decent actually to be quite honest with you so but anyway I just need you to drum rolling because look it's, it's the case yeah but this is more important because we are in the Mad Hatter Hotel. And they're Waterloo, wicked little place, you should come down there. But this is the first time that they've ever heard anybody say, Come on, you bees! Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favourite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. 
And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.